The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. All right, let's get to our next guest. Uh, we have uh, Damien uh, Kovalin. Uh, he's head of energy research at uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, having a look at that OPEC Plus decision. A two million barrels a day cut, but that does not, does it, Damien, translate into a supply cut of two million barrels a day? How much does it realistically move the needle with oil output? Yeah, exactly. So the uh, headline cut, 2 million, translates roughly into about a million barrels per day of actual production reduction in the short run. You know, we had expected OPEC output to grow a little bit next year, so that becomes more like a 1.3 million barrels per day. So it's not as big as the headline, but it still is a significant reduction in output uh, from the group today. It sets up a little bit of a battle between the Biden administration and OPEC+. Plus. OPEC Plus uh, is looking to, you know, support prices and the president wants to bring them down. Uh, Does this become sort of open warfare or is it just kind of subtle behind the scenes uh, uh, maneuvering? Yeah, so maybe it's worth taking a step back to understand uh, the genesis of the cut. You can look at it along three different dimensions. The first one is, look, prices are down 40 percent. There are significant concerns uh, for a potential economic hard landing. And so OPEC is adjusting supply uh, in response. Um, you know, second, oil has actually uh, underperformed many of the uh, of the other cyclical assets over the last several months. It's really fallen a lot more uh, than equities, for example. And um, so that's the second approach: is there has been a disconnect between oil fundamentals, still relatively tight, and oil prices themselves. And this cut helps uh, to correct the two in our view. Now, the third one, as you said, is this divergence in uh, desired outcome, uh, lower uh, energy prices, gasoline price in the U.S., and higher prices for any oil producer. I think at the end of the day, the outcome has to be above current prices, uh, because as we look at the last several years, what we've seen now is just structural underinvestment. Um, And so, you know, when you try to combine the two views, you ultimately end up requiring a higher price because investment is just not happening. And this will actually prolong the period of uh, below-trend economic growth because you're simply not growing supply enough to grow the global economy fast enough. So it's really then about a time horizon, right? Yes, in the short term, lower gasoline prices may be preferable in the U.S., but unfortunately, the measures that have been deployed to achieve that, think SPR release, for example, are not sustainable solutions. You do Mm. need higher prices to finally get investment flowing. And that is eventually where oil prices Damien. have to go. Damien, why are uh, Western nations wasting their time putting price cuts on Russian oil, which is already A, sanctioned, B, uh, they couldn't care less about what the uh, the West does, and secondly, it's uh, China and India are buying the stuff anyway? 
Yeah, so I think the, uh, the key here is really that Europe has two embargoes in place this time. There is a physical embargo that kicks in uh, starting in December, and there is this financial embargo on shipping insurance. So the price cap tries to avoid the second or replace the second. But at the end of the day, the first one is what ultimately forces uh, Russian exports to be diverted. It's the one that creates production losses and ultimately gets China and India to benefit from lower oil prices. That's the one, unfortunately, that is, you know, at this point, inconceivable to lift. So the price cap in itself doesn't really matter to the outlook for uh, oil production globally. You know, Russia is being sanctioned, is having to re-divert barrels. That's not an easy process in terms of boats, in terms of refineries. And that's the supply loss that on top of the OPEC cut will be coming at the end of this year. It puts Europe and the West in a very difficult position, unfortunately, as you know, sanctions yeah. uh, ultimately do create those supply losses. What should we make of the Wall Street Journal report about um, sanctions on Venezuela, the Biden administration uh, scaling down or planning to scale down those sanctions for Chevron to resume pumping there? Is that is that a um, does that actually bring a lot of oil back onto the market? Yeah. So if you think about areas of production disruption, really, there are three around the world of scale. There is Russia, of course, there's Iran and Venezuela. Um, so attempts to ramp up production from Venezuela could help. I think what's important to keep in mind, though, is uh, that this would take a very long time. We actually had a precedent after the civil war in Colombia, and it took five years of investment to get production to ramp up. This is heavy oil that takes processing. Assets have been dismantled for the steel content. They're competing claims on assets likely between U.S., Russia, China. The recovery in Venezuela production is a five-year endeavor. It's not a short-term solution. Again, what still is needed at this point is investment by producers around the world to increase supply. You know, those short solutions, short-term solutions, just are not that. Okay, very quickly before we have to leave things, give us a sense of uh, what are going to be the main drivers of the oil price, different to what they are now, and where will oil prices be in six months' time? Sure. So we think oil prices will end this year at $115. The main drivers for that will be ultimately lower supply between uh, the Russian redirection and now this OPEC cut in the face of demand that is resilient. Demand is resilient through September, heading into winter. There is no natural gas. People will consume gasoline and diesel instead. Demand will rise. We'll start from a near record low level of inventories and fall to a new record low, that is a driver for higher prices. Where could this uh, play out differently? Well, a economic Quickly. hard landing, not just a recession. All right, Damien, good stuff. Thank you. Damien Kurvalin there, head of energy research at Goldman Sachs. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.